Hello, and welcome back to Cartoon Time Machine. I am Scarlet. And I'm Katie. And we're your animates. And today, we are taking our Cartoon Time Machine, get ready for some sound effects, we had a water landing on the cartoon dive machine it had to, had to it, it, it just we missed the runway by just a little bit and it landed in the water this is going to keep getting longer katie I, scarlet's I, a terrible driver <laughs> well <laughs> Do you have a license to drive a cartoon time machine? I don't think so, unless you want to fork over $300 to the Ministry of Silly Walks, which I have decided is the is the organization that gives out cartoon time machine uh, permits, then then you're up to me and my driving. Um, yeah, for, for those of you not watching the YouTube version, uh, I think Katie is currently researching other co-hosts other than me. So I might not correspondent be make it weekly? <laughs> I, I might not be here next time, but that doesn't matter because today our cartoon time machine has parked, we got it out of the water, and now it has parked squarely in two weeks ago, whatever the Tom and Jerry movie was released, because that's what we're talking about today. Uh, Katie and I uh, watched it together the other night, uh, and we have thoughts. Um, for, for, for just a, a, a rundown for those of you who do not know what the Tom and Jerry movie is, uh, this was a, it was supposed to be a theatrical release, but because COVID is COVID, um, it was simultaneously a theatrical and an HBO Max release. Uh, Tom and Jerry, of course, are Hanna-Barbera characters, uh, and this film is a live-action cartoon hybrid with uh, the characters of Tom and Jerry uh, being sort of inter intermixed with a another subplot featuring human characters uh, played by Chloe Grace Moretz, Michael Pena, and uh, Colin Jost are three stars that stick out to me. <laughs> so but before we go into into more of a deep dive with some potential spoilers, uh, Katie, what are your general thoughts on this movie? It was a bad idea. <laughs> how, how and so? poorly, poorly executed. <laughs> okay. Live action animation hybrids are difficult. It does not work very often. There's a reason yeah. we don't see many of them. And it is a way to save money on animation because animation costs a lot of money because there's a lot of people involved. And a lot yeah. of time and computers, you can save time on film sets. But combining them and making it work, the animation style has to hit a certain fluidity you gotta be on the top of your game for both of them. No one was at the top of their game. Yeah, I, th I think that's more or less my thoughts. Uh, it's funny because this genre of, of mixing live action and cartoons, I, I think it, it's fair to say that the, the originator of this, at least the maybe not the first one, but the one that you know everyone sort of goes back to when they're comparing movies like this would be Who Framed Roger Rabbit uh, in the late 80s. And, you know, that's that that's just an excellent movie. It's one of my favorites. It's like Katie was saying, there, there's such fluidity in the animation. It really does convince you that these cartoon characters are walking in the real world. There's, you know, so such care and time and expense was taken. Um, and then I think there was kind of a dip until the 90s when Space Jam happened. And I think Space Jam was kind of the resurgence of 
we sort of then I feel like got like continuously for the next like 10 years some like very low grade CGI ripoffs like we got Smurfs we got god knows how many Alvin the Chipmunk movies I want to say they made five of those um I think I, I think I saw two I saw the first one and I saw the island one I, yeah so uh, I don't I don't know it's uh, those were I don't think any of those were any good I don't think anyone actually liked them oh there was Garfield with Bill Murray uh which managed to make Bill Murray not funny which is so hard um I think just in general the the idea of making the C, the CGI works less well I think overall than more hand-drawn animation and to, to the Tom and Jerry movies credit it, it there's you know they're, they're definitely cgi but they're definitely going for the original hand-drawn style i think i i think i would have died a little bit inside if they'd made tom and jerry into cgi horrors like garfield or uh, alvin the chipmunks like i i appreciate that, that they are for the most part the original design it, it's not good animation it, it, it looks it does poorly integrated it's incredibly flat there's not a lot of, you know, the kind of shadows and fluidity of motion that you would want to see with traditional hand-drawn animation. Uh, it's clear, clearly digital. Um, and, and they're trying to, they're, you know, what was great about, about uh, both Space Jam and Who Framed Roger Rabbit is that they didn't try to, both of them had a separate tune world and a human world. And even though they interacted, the audience was supposed to recognize that the live-action humans were like a different species, like a different type of creature than the cartoons. And what was what was interesting about Space Jam is that it was it was interesting that the, the climax of the movie relies on a human character taking on tune proportions. Um, it, not not to spoil Space Jam uh, right <laughs> in advance of, of time for Space Jam too. Um, but because that gap was there, you could suspend disbelief a little more. The Tom and Jerry movie wants you to believe that every animal in this world just is a cartoon. Like, at one point, there are the, uh, two, two of the characters, Colin Jost, and I, I forget, I don't, I don't know the actor who's playing his wife. They ride into their wedding on elephants, but the elephants are cartoons, too. Um, so every, every animal in this world is meant to be a, a cartoon character, and it is just not integrated well because they're they're trying to give them that life that they're just never gonna have because they're cartoons and it just it just takes you right out of the moment. You do you see the man behind the curtain so much in this and it's just not it's not good. It doesn't look good, it doesn't it's not visually appealing. Uh, all in all, this really feels like it should have come out in the same era as Alvin the Chipmunks and the Smurfs. Like it's genuinely kinda weird that we got this in twenty twenty or eventually 2021 like this does not seem like a production that should have happened now and based on the bad reviews it's getting i don't think it's going over that well with this with the kids today either yeah so that's those are my general thoughts um so if you if you have not seen it yet and want to for some reason which is your right you are allowed to go watch it um, I would stop now because we're going to go into some more detail and some more spoilers. Um, again, spoilers for this movie doesn't really amount to much. I mean, Tom and Jerry don't die at the end. I mean, I'll, I'll spoil that for you right now. They, they, they survived the movie. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, so if you, if you want to see it and you don't want the movie spoiled for you, go see it and then come back because now we're going to get into some more details.
<laughs> so, K- Katie, what? Let, 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 let's let's talk about some good things. What what are some good things about this movie? What are some, what were some things that you liked before before we go overwhelmingly negative? Chloe Grace Moretz's outfits were pretty nice. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I overall I kind of liked Chloe Grace Moretz's whole character. She, out of all the actors in this movie, I think she was kind of the one going at it the most earnestly. I think everyone else kind of felt like they were phoning it in, and she's not giving the performance of a lifetime or anything. But she she is giving it the performance you'd expect from a kids movie. She's playing this like con artist who tricks her way into being on the hotel this ho- fancy hotel in New York City's staff. Uh, just in time for the wedding of the century between two celebrities. Um, and she, I think she does a very good job of, like, you know, having portraying that kind of cool confidence while also, like, not really knowing what she's doing and just bumbling around. You like her. You, you, you want her to succeed by the end, and she does, and that's nice. Uh, again, not a great performance, but I didn't actively want her, like, bad things to happen to her, which I did for Michael Pena, who just come he doesn't come across he's, he's the villain of this he's like trying to like sabotage chloe grace moretz for reasons <laughs> and he, he just comes across as a, he just comes across as a jerk like not even like a like he's he's basically playing uh the tim curry role from home alone 2 just like the the mean hotel manager who doesn't want anyone to have any fun and is gonna find out what kind of shenanigans the main character is up to but like tim curry was like like lovably buffoonish michael pena is just like being mean it's just a waste of your michael pena like he could be way sillier and he's just he's playing like a straight man in this it's weird it makes no sense i never really understood why he didn't like her also i think it's just like it's just petty jealousy i think it's just like he worked they don't have the same job like he is her boss as there's like a higher level boss but like he is still above her and she she fakes a resume she like steals some other woman's resume this gambit works um and i he's like suspicious like he he realizes she's a con woman pretty early on and he's just sort of trying to get proof um but again he just he doesn't do it in a fun way he just is a jerk and then tries to sabotage the wedding so that she looks bad um yeah, it's he. No one again. No one else in this movie is is having any fun. Colin Jost is not having fun. He looks like he is there to cash a paycheck and leave, uh, which sucks because I like Colin Jost. I, I I love me some SNL and he's really funny. And I I I know he could write a better script than what he's given, but like obviously either they didn't give him time to ad lib or they didn't want him to ad lib or something. Again, he, I think he's also playing a straight man. Almost every human in this is just a straight man. Like, none of none of the human characters are really funny. And also Tom and Jerry aren't that funny in this either, so it's it's not great. <laughs> the, the whole hotel subplot just, like, feels like like it's, like, ha- like, half of a rom-com. Like, it feels like someone wrote the outline to a rom-com, but then didn't fill in any, like, jokes or characters. No. There was so much potential flirting, and none of it came to anything. It was very odd. Didn't Chloe Grace Moretz get with like the bar, the the hot young bartender by the end? I don't know. I feel I like don't I think feel like so. They didn't kiss or anything. I don't know. Maybe they're gonna start a relationship. Who knows? Like it's it's like it's also weirdly seems to crib a lot from Crazy Rich Asians. Like 
like a relatively big part of the story is that Colin Jost is like this awkward white celebrity. We're we're told that he and his and his uh, his his Indian fiance wife to be that the two of them are like the power couple of New York. We don't know what they do or why. We we just assume they're one of those Kardashian type people who are famous for being famous. Um, but like late in the very relatively late in the story, like we're at the wedding when we realize that. Uh, Colin Jost is like really trying to impress uh, his wife's Indian parents, which is why he's trying to do a big elaborate Indian wedding and his wife doesn't really want an elaborate wedding. But like these two people have very bad communication skills and zero chemistry. Like, Katie, did you ever believe that these two are a couple and not just two people who met once on a set? Yeah, no. The wife was flirting with Chloe Grace Moretz more than she was flirting with. (laughs) <laughs> Katie and I were watching this and I mean, she, we're, we're right like like they Colin Jost and and his wife I think her name is Prita right am I getting that right yeah the characters names are Ben and Prita okay so so Ben and Prita I think share almost no screen time like talking to each other like to the point where I think the scene in this in the suite like there's a scene where they have like the bridal suite together it's quite possible they're not in the same shot at any point. I'll have to rewatch that, but like they don't seem to interact much in that scene. Most of it is just Prita talking to Chloe Grace Moretz. And Katie's right, they have chemistry. Like we we were joking with each other as we were watching this that we would call this our favorite movie of the year if they ended it with the two of them getting together. They had chemistry. If, if <laughs> that just, happened, like, would have redeemed the movie. Instead, there was just so much also wrong. Oh my god. Um so, so like I was saying, there's so there's like there's a plot where where Ben Colin Joe's character we find out that he is trying to appease Prita's rich, uh, domineering Indian parents or something. I don't. Again, it's not really that well explained. It's not. We know he's on the phone with the dad at some point, and it doesn't seem yeah. to go well. And it's like I there again. It's like kind of like a ch- they took like a chunk out of Crazy Rich Asians about like these two people who have like culture clash and different worlds and. It's, like, again, there's kind of possibly a more interesting story there, but we don't really do anything with it, except we have a giant set piece uh, with a big, big, beautiful ballroom for set up for the wedding um, and an elaborate cake that we just know is about to be destroyed by, by something. And you hope in a Tom and Jerry movie that that means that the big, elaborate, beautiful cake is going to be destroyed by some Tom and Jerry shenanigans. But it's not. It's just... Ken Jong, like Ken Jong comes in. Ken Jong is like in this for five minutes. Like I, he is again, there like, for I, his name. This is one of those wanting to attach some names. He's he's paying off a parking ticket. Like it was again one of those things that was set up with so much promise because he plays an angry chef in a fancy hotel. Like oh my god, does that write itself? But he shows up to be introduced as the crazy chef, and then I want to say like an hour later he shows up again at the wedding having you know, brought in the beautiful cake and everyone claps for him because it's that kind of movie where people just clap for the fancy cake being brought out. And at that point, the audience is just like setting their watch for how long it's going to take for this cake to be destroyed. And like Jerry's like on the top of the cake, he's eating the cake because he's, he's uh, not Tom, Jerry. Jerry's on top eating the cake. He's having fun. Um, And Ken Jong comes in. What's he got? Like a bat? He has, I think he has a bat? And he comes Mm -hmm. in and tries to get Jerry by like smacking at him but of course he's just hitting the cake and like at a certain point like it's obvious that he's like he, it should be obvious to him that he is just destroying his own cake but like he doesn't really realize it and it's like the least funny possible way for this cake to be destroyed like 
what like what a gutter ball like this movie set itself up for an easy strike like it's a wedding everyone's in fancy dresses it's important that this event goes well and the funniest thing is just that they could think of was just ken jong coming in and hitting it with a baseball bat until it kind of gets smushed like it doesn't land on anyone doesn't fly through the air doesn't explode like wow what needs to happen is someone tips over part of the table it goes flying and lands on someone important not this weird d plot of ken jung and his son i think like he has a son he keeps yeah, messing he everything up he's like slap he's like slammed his finger in a door he hates the mouse um and they're like there's this michelin star restaurant review guy this cake needs to be perfect for him that's all we know about that plot by the way yeah, well, they just need to say I don't think we even see this guy, do we? Nope. Like, <laughs> maybe, maybe he's the guy talking to the hotel manager, weirdly, oh, that I didn't know who it was. Yeah, maybe. Like, right. Like, there is, there. the point is, there are so many people in this room that it would have been very funny for them to get covered in cake. Like, there's the, there's the uptight uh, Indian parents. That would have been kind of funny. Uh, it would have been funny to see it land on Colin Jost because maybe he could have done a funny reaction. Heck, it would have been funny if it had, like, gone through the air and landed on Ken Jong. Like, that would have been kind of funny, too. Like, if he was, like, trying to save it or something and just splashed it. Like, basically everything except what they did. You know what actually would have been even funnier? Is if nothing happened to the cake. <laughs> because it was so yes. obvious they were setting something up that, like... What they did was actually less funny than if nothing had happened to the cake and if, like, the scene had ended with everything in total chaos. Because, like, the room gets destroyed and, like, the Frida walks out and it's, like, a supposed to be, like, a dramatic moment. And, like, it could have been a funny stinger at the end of that scene for someone to look over at the cake and be like, well, at least the cake su- survived. <laughs> like, it wouldn't have been hilarious, but it kind it of would have been a joke. Like, you would have done something with that. Like... I, I don't know. It's it's just, honestly, I think that cake is just such a great example of this movie wasting a premise. Like, it's Tom and Jerry yeah. loose in a fancy hotel. Like, there was so much more they could have done with Tom and Jerry loose in a fancy hotel right before a major event. And if you, if you haven't noticed, you know, when we're describing, like, the story of the movie, Tom and Jerry aren't involved with it. And that's because Tom and Jerry are barely in this movie. Like, they have some side shenanigans going on, and there's, like, a subplot where Chloe Grace Moretz hires Tom a cat. Like, in not in a world like like Tom and Jerry, uh, not, uh, well, like, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, where, uh, like, the tunes, like, are, like, members of society. Like, in this world, cats are just cats. Like, there's, like, a scene where they get sent to the pound and everything. Like, cats are cats. And yet she hires him to be, like, the official mouse catcher, because Jerry is running around stealing stuff, causing shenanigans, Jerry stuff. Uh, so Chloe Grace Moretz hires Tom to try to catch Jerry, but they don't do it in a funny way. Like, they don't, there's there's no, there's no elaborate hijinks, there's no big Acme products. There's, there's one fun scene where Tom employs, like, a Rube Goldberg Acme kind of, uh, trap to catch Jerry and that's fun like there, there are brief moments where we're like just with Tom and Jerry completely separate from the main plot of the movie that like they're not they're they're not bad they're like they're like mm-hmm. your average low-level decent Tom and Jerry shenanigans there was a scene where they destroy a hotel room and that was probably the most enjoyment we got out of the whole movie we were just like yeah. hey this is normal Tom and Jerry they're destroying stuff they're running after each other and then yeah. it stopped like even when they were like 
there's another like subplot of Tom and Jerry going out into the world because Chloe Grace Morris is like, I will let you two stay here if you learn to get along. And it doesn't really have any good hijinks. It's just gonna no, be a sad a montage. Surprise. Yeah, there was a mo- there's a montage of Tom and Jerry going through New York City, and they have been expressly told you have to learn to get along on this thing. What what a great opportunity to have Tom and Jerry doing fun, interesting, comedic slapstick all around famous New York landmarks like the Zoo or the Empire State Building, such like there there are there are things you could do with that, and it's told through like like photos like as if they were like like sightseeing and like taking souvenirs and, like I guess some of the still images are like kind of funny like you like see them getting messy and Tom getting hurt or whatever but like it's a still image we're here for animation and and it's all it, it, it there's, I gotta say there is like a stupid amount of hip-hop and rap in this movie like I have nothing against rap in general like it's not my cup of tea but like I don't care but it does make this movie feel like it should have come out 20 years ago like, it's got some late 90s, early 2000s vibes. Like, there's no... And none of it is current, as far as I could tell. It's not like they paid for some, like, re- like recent hip-hop. Like, it's all just kind of generic. Like, it was possibly just made for this movie, or it's just some D-track they paid for. Like, I would kind of expect they'd have some pop music in this movie, like, from 2018 or something. I don't you know, obviously they not. They referenced like... John Legend. They referenced Joker. Like, this is supposed <laughs> to be modern. <laughs> Okay, I will say, this movie did kind of get me to, like, smirk twice, and it was the same joke <laughs> with Droopy Dog, who we first see on a poster, like, a poster mocking Joker, like, that, like, says, it's, like, got, like, put the put on a happy face thing, and it's got a picture of Droopy, just, like, in the, in the Joker movie, um, and then, in the, the, a very brief scene when they're in the pound, it, like, it goes by so quickly, it's, like, why did we even end up here, it's not relevant to the plot (laughs) the greaser cats that we'll talk about oh god the greaser cats okay um the uh yeah so they're they're in the pound and droopy dog is there now done up like hannibal lecter with the mask with the with the muzzle like whoever made this movie has some baggage with droopy dog like they just not know two other Hanna-Barbera characters that they could use for that gag. Like, he's both the joke. He is both in a movie playing the Joker and also locked up as Hannibal Lecter. Like, what? It, I don't know. It's just so weird it made me laugh. Like, it's yeah. it's it's just weird. Did they reference <laughs> any other characters? Uh, so there, there's the, the, the bulldog who was in a lot of Tom and Jerry yeah, but no, not a lot of other Hanna-Barbera characters. And you know what's disappointing? There there was a, a, a brief part of the montage where we're in the Museum of Natural History. I think that was, like, the longest part of the montage where, like, stuff is actually happening. Yeah. Um, and so they're in the Museum of Natural History, and they're, like, looking at, like, like old, like, prehistoric models. And I'm like, if anyone in this movie had put any amount of thought into it, what a good time to use old Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Like, can you imagine they've been walking through the Museum of Natural History and there's, like, a stuffed McGilla gorilla? Like, stuff that, like, is, like, archaic. Things that, like, modern viewers have not seen that to them would basically be fossils. But, like, no, it's just, like, a, a stuffed cartoon saber tooth and a dinosaur almost fall or does fall on Tom after, like, an excruciating long period of time. God, now I'm just remembering some of the small parts of this montage that are just so boring like like, yeah the the dinosaur skeleton's gonna fall on tom it's gonna take a minute for it to fall on tom but it's gonna fall on him eventually 
They huh. loved setting up things and making it so clear it was going to happen. We've talked about two of them. The other's the glass ceiling. They're, they give us just an extensive tour of the set oh, they, at the beginning oh, of the film. They did. And one of the things they set up is this this hotel has a very fancy, expensive glass ceiling. So immediately, like, well, that's getting broken. And you would expect it would be broken at the climax of the film. That's what makes your first logical sense. It is not. It is broken at the beginning of Act 2, probably, I would guess, in a sense. Yeah, like in in the in the middle ish of of the movie, and it's it's done in again it's it's not done in a funny way. Like it's no, it's not it, even that I'm like it's just a big scuffle. Nothing was very comedic. This yeah, this this movie has a has a really hard time just allowing itself to be silly and to it does it this thing it doesn't trust for some reason it really likes its hotel subplot like in most of these. You know, live action hybrids. Uh, the human plot is is it, it when it works best. The human plot is either really closely linked with the uh, with the the cartoon plot, or it's just it's a it's a very minor thing, and we're mostly focused on the cartoons. In this one, this movie really wants you to be invested in the hotel subplot and to not think about Tom and Jerry in the Tom and Jerry movie. So. The reason the glass gets shattered is that Chloe Grace Moretz is at the hotel bar uh, with the glass ceilings overhead over, like, the atrium area. Um, she's in the bar, and she has Tom with her. Um, and then uh, Michael Pena has been walking uh, the big bulldog who belong, uh, belongs to Colin Jost. Um, and, like, yeah, that's where there's, like, a really obnoxious uh, poop joke where they he, the bulldog poops in the middle of traffic and it's not funny it just takes a while <laughs> like that's so much of this is just it's like it's not funny it's just taking a long time to happen that uh, joke went on so long and you, it's it's the toilet humor like executives want in the movies to aim at kids because they're like kids will laugh at that and it's just it's so bad it's not good just like kids are smarter than that now like i gotta say like i'm really glad that when I see poop jokes and fart jokes in fewer and fewer kids' movies because I think kids are just wising up to that. Like, they're seeing more sophisticated stuff now and they're just not, like, it's, they don't, you don't need to appeal to the lowest common denominator. And to be fair, that is the only poop joke in the movie. It's just, it takes a, isn't it? I don't think there's another one. I think there's another at the, towards the end with the dog again. Oh, maybe. Uh, by that point, I was Again, old. it's always with the bulldog, who I also just want to know, what was the distinction for what animals can and cannot talk in this movie? Like there is the bird, none. The bird can talk. The bird is rapping at us. The elephants can talk. The tiger can talk. The bulldog can talk. The cat can't. Tom and Jerry can't. Well, it's, it's, it's weird, because there, there's a moment, like, towards the climax where they're, like, trying to get to the park to where they're having, like, a makeup wedding or whatever. I don't, again, I was kind of checked out by that point. Um, where Chloe Grace Moretz is, is, like, doing a walkie-talkie into Tom and Jerry and saying, like, I know I know you can't talk, but you can hear me, so, uh, you know, should do, so do, go do this. And it, like, kind of did take me out of it for a moment. Like, look, wait, like, are, are they just, are they just mute? Like, is that just, like, what we're getting at? Is that, like, your average cartoon character in this movie, in this world, can talk. Unclear whether the humans can understand them, but they can all just talk. 
Mm-hmm. Um, except for Tom and Jerry, who are specifying specifically can't talk. But but Tom can sing. Tom can sing because he's like a blues pianist. Like that's like part of the plot is that he plays the piano um, and he sings, but he can't talk. So wh- whatever and that that's that's consistent to the cartoon wait, universe. Yeah. While we were watching the film, you had a great thing. You had a great idea that would have made this movie so much better with this factor is if they actually played Tom and Jerry as mute, and instead of the charades, they were actually doing sign language. Would have been incredible. Also, representation. We talked about this last week. Representation. Yes. This movie fails at representation. There were some bad jokes in there. Yeah. That yeah. made it, that also made it feel like this movie was written 20 years ago. Yeah, there were, there were, what was that? There was some, like, gender inclusion joke, like some... Yeah, it was something about, like, I think Chloe Grace Moretz's character is, like, we'll get her, like, talking about, like, I think she genders Jerry as a woman at first, and it's like, or man, or stuff, and it's just like, and then they all laugh awkwardly. It's one of those, like, haha, inclusion. Ha! <laughs> yeah. Like, Wait a minute. It seems like you're making fun of this. You're missing the point. Yeah, like, the the joke is definitely, like, oh, like, we're in hotel management, so we have to adhere to these mm-hmm. stupid rules that the woke people want us to do, haha. Like, it's not, like, and it's, it's not even a funny joke to begin with. Like, yeah, you don't know what gender Jerry is because he's a mouse. And, like, I, like I, I can understand yeah. <laughs> what I'm going about at the fact that people accidentally misgender animals all the time because all dogs are male, all cats are girls. Oh, yes, we know this. Yeah, it's logical, yeah. Obviously. But it just didn't land. It was bad. And the other joke I really didn't like, I think could be considered offensive to some people, is Tom has two has an angel and devil on his shoulders, a very common trope. And they are clearly done to be black coded. And they're like and the devil speaks in a more what would be stereotypical in, in in movies, street kind of voice, where the angel's more, like, educated and stuff. And it's like, this just feels wrong. It's, yeah. It's I, like, like, I felt it was wrong. I felt it was a, an offensive joke. It was it was definitely uncomfortable. It's like, it, like, to compare, it's like if one of the angels sounded like James Earl Jones doing Mufasa in The Lion King, but the other one sounded like the hyenas. Like, it's, like, that that kind of difference between, like, like a, a good, calming black voice versus, like, an evil, urban-sounding black voice. Like, it was a problem. I, I don't know. I don't know if anyone who made the movie was thinking that hard about it. Maybe we're overthinking it, but it was not. It was, it was uncomfy, so. Yeah, I didn't I, like that joke. I felt it was not good. Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I don't even know if they, I don't think they, I don't even think they were thinking of it as a joke. I don't think they were thinking at all. I think they were just, you know, it was kind of one of those unconscious prejudices kind of situation. Um, whatever it is, it, it felt, like you said, it felt very dated, along with just all the, all the general hip-hop in the movie just made it feel so dated. It just feels like Warner Brothers was like, okay, we need to make some movies, we got some money, we need to make the more money. All right, pull out the old filing cabinet with all the scripts we put in to save. Yeah. And they're like, all right, which one do we want to do this week? Flip a coin. And they picked Tom and Jerry that was written in 1997 after 
the last one. Well, I, I think I, I picked up on something else that I think would lend credence to that theory. So throughout the movie, uh, Chloe Grace Moretz is like talking into like a, she's got like a microphone on her lapel and like an earpiece in her ear. And she's like talking to Michael Pena, you know, but as she's trying to track down Jerry and, you know, because having one mouse in a hotel makes it just, you know, uh, can't have a wedding if there's one mouse in this hotel. Um, but so she's doing that, but they refer to it as a walkie talkie. And it has like the ch static uh, when she like says over, which yeah, makes me think that like in the original draft, it was written in the 90s or the early 2000s and she physically had a walkie talkie and not in the 2020s where it's a Bluetooth earpiece. Like, which I don't even know why she had the thing on her lapel. Like most earpieces have a microphone now, but it, whatever. Like I, I, buy, I buy that a little bit, but like no one edited this. If, if that's the case, if it was written a long time ago and they just like left in that walkie talkie line, like... No one thought to change it to like say like I'm I'm talking to you on my headset or like my Bluetooth or any number of things other than continuing to call it a walkie-talkie and to add in that static sound that you obviously wouldn't have on a Bluetooth device. It's very weird. There's some weird stuff here. There was another joke that I felt was dated, which is the character of Joy, who's just kind of the she was the the other bellhop, the one who's like pointed out as being kind of like weird and ugly yeah and then well, just kind of appears randomly it again f was just like insulting to a group of people yeah and i think like i i, I don't i don't know if, like I, I don't want to like insult factors or anything but like i i feel like she was being coded as like someone with some kind of mental illness or a neuroatypical person that feels um, correct like, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, and again, they were reading too much into it, but like, it's just like, oh, she's weird and she talks too much and she doesn't understand social boundaries and she's and ugly. she likes weird things. Like, she would spew out weird facts every so often yeah. that were important to the plot. Like, she was the most important person to the plot at points. And she, I liked her the most. <laughs> You're right. I mean, she kind of disappears after a while, but like she, I think she would probably be a slightly more interesting protagonist. Like, like I said, I like Chloe Grace Moretz. I think she's like giving it her all. She's doing her best with what she's got. But like, she is a fairly boring standard protagonist. It might have been a little bit more interesting to uh, to see to see if uh, if they'd gone with a protagonist more like Joy, um, who was a little more invested in like 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 she was like leaving out little towels for Jerry from his little. He had, like, a little, like, door. He had, like, a, a mouse-sized door, uh, which, honestly, I kind of liked. Like, it made, the problem is the movie was trying so hard to, like, make you buy into this reality of this hotel. Uh, but then they would still have those little elements that you like, you'd see in a Tom and Jerry cartoon where, like, he has, like, his own little mouse-sized suite in the hotel. Like, and there's a revolving a door. Or not. <laughs> there's also, like, a revolving door, a tiny revolving door for him and also, like, if you don't want a mouse in your hotel, why do you have a tiny revolving door for mice? Yeah, I it, it makes no sense. Why? It, it like it it it's it's switching between wanting to be this hotel movie and wanting to be Tom and Jerry. On honestly, I would not be surprised. Also, if I found out that this was a like a completely separate script, like there was already just a hotel movie in the works, and they just tacked on Tom and Jerry. Like, if you remove that Tom could... and Jerry from the plot, like, most of the plot still happens. <laughs> yeah, I was. I can say, I can see an executive, uh, if you're not on YouTube, you don't see me putting on my fake mustache. 
I could see an executive sitting at the war room being like, hmm, well, we can use name recognition of Tom and Jerry to get more money for our hotel movie. Put it in. Really, also, like, even the genre of a hotel movie, like, the more I'm thinking about this is, like, that also feels very early 2000s. That feels like it was, like, made at the same time, like, Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Like, you know, we just picked out two scripts from the trash can from 1997. Yeah, so they, they were they like they like like blew it blew on it to get the dust off. Yeah, it's still good. It's still good. Tom and Jerry. We can we we'll just cut around the mold. <laughs> no, you're you're so right. I mean, and, and like we said before, when when this movie is just on, like clearly there's just like an animation team that was just like doing their thing, and then like the whatever the live action team is doing their separate thing. When the in the brief moments when the animation team is like allowed to do their thing unencumbered by the human subplot so like in scenes like when they're they're messing up the hotel it's pretty good I, it's nothing special i wish it were like more of the movie and more consequential but like it's there i mean i think also a big problem is the fact that like there's very few reactions to the chaos like what what i remember about like the old tom and jerry cartoon is that it would be kind of kind of similar to, to buttons and mindy and the animaniacs which you know obviously Drive, you know, drives a lot of uh, inspiration from Tom and Jerry is that Jerry would, you know, be stealing something from the house and Tom, as the, the loyal house cat, would try to get the mouse. Chaos would ensue, things would be destroyed, and Tom would get in trouble. Tom doesn't get blamed for almost all of the stuff that happens. Like, you don't, you don't get any humor from seeing Tom get punished, you know, kind of unjustly it's like that that was kind of the thing that was the dynamic i'm not saying it has to be exactly like the cartoon but if you're gonna if you're gonna change something at least be changing it for the better because if you're replacing tom getting in trouble for jerry shenanigans with nothing then you lose the punchline a lot of this feels like set up with no punchline yeah and um Two thoughts. One, the animators did do most when they were solo soloing Tom and Jerry did pretty well, except for the alley cat sequence. Oh god, those were all so long. So like, there's like sequences where like b uh, both earlier in the movie before Tom gets to the hotel, and then later when Tom and Jerry are in the pound together, uh, they're being like stalked by these New York alley cats who are. I mean, they're not. They don't do anything funny. They're just. They're just being there to be bullies, and they. They, you know, tell, you know, Tom this is their territory and they, like, they tell they want Tom to eat Jerry because they think it's, they, they don't like that they're kind of pals. Um, but they're kind of just animated, like, normal animated characters, like, not in a funny way. And they're talking like normal characters, except the, the lip flap, the lip sync looks terrible. It's, like, so gummy and soft and they, they, it barely matches what they're saying. And they, yeah, and they're, and they, the CG looks bad, especially in it's the background. It's so bad on the main alley cat. That, that's black it. and white tom cat. And it's just flat, undynamic. He looks so two-dimensional. No. He looks two-dimensional while, while also, though, having that bad, bulgy CGI, like, around his corners. Like, he almost looks like he's, like, a, like a 2D, like, printed like piece of paper on top of like a bad cgi model from the late 90s you know the alley bad. cats might i or probably they shoehorned it in as a reference to the alley cat gang from the original movie 
and which I have not seen, so I don't know. Like in general, there there's been a couple times where Tom's been harassed by alley cats. But like, okay. Again, which is like a reference is fine, but it has to mean something in this movie for someone like me who has it, you know I just yeah. I love the original I mean, Tom and Jerry. I liked watching it as a kid, but I. You know, I, I don't think I saw the... I know there was a movie in the 90s. I didn't see that. Um, and I know they've also made, like, a million, like, direct-to-DVD direct movies. Like, I think they had, like, Wizard of Oz a few years back. Or, like, uh, I think they had Willy Wonka, too. They just, like, did versions of classic movies with Tom and Jerry involved. Um, I, I don't know why. Um, but I've, I've heard that's a thing. Um, but, but that's a better space for Tom and Jerry is to just do it all in cartoon. They don't translate well to the real world. They're so cartoony. They're so slapstick heavy that whenever you try to force them into the real world, they're just not gonna mesh well. Yeah. And I did enjoy one review I saw. Uh, it was not a positive review. It was one of, it was a Blair Bomb Rotten Tomatoes of animation students will be watching this in the future to learn the importance of outlines. <laughs> I, yeah. I didn't think of it in the moment. That is totally a reason why these characters look so weird is they have no normal outlining. Right. Which I see people do to make things look more natural, but I think we're also attuned to a small outline on characters that it gives them depth and definition, and it's not there. Yeah. No, it's... The other... It's... Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, it's it... go on. So the other point I had is, as you were saying, Tom and Jerry had a very normal dynamic of the fact they were always at odds because it was Tom's house. Tom was trying to be the loyal Tomcat, and Jerry was coming and stealing things, making Tom's owner upset, so Tom was trying to deal with it. There was a dynamic. There was, there was reason for them to be chasing each other. In this movie, it's not a very big reason they're chasing each other through New York. Enough so that Scarlet forgot it ten minutes after the I, incident I happened. Did, I did forget it. There was I did just ask at one point, wait, why do they hate each other? And it's all because like Tom's doing after the longest intro in existence in film. Oh Tom's pretending to be a blind cat playing the piano. And Jerry wants to to uh get in on his territory and get some money by uh being involved. Wait, which it starts by the way, like, talk about the confusion this movie has with whether it's the real world or a cartoon world. Like, animals are pets. Like, they're, like, they, like someone walks by with a dog on a leash to give, to give Tom some money. Like, animals are pets in this world. And yet, not only do they not look twice at a cat just playing the piano like he's a professional pianist in, in Central Park, but, like, once Jerry reveals that he's not actually blind, it's like, oh, my God, like, a thing. And it's... It's already really impressive in this world that a cat's playing the piano. Why why do you need the added uh, added con of being blind? You're a cat in like a human world playing the piano. You'd be world famous. It, just, it makes no sense. It's so weird. Yeah, and so then a fight starts because of course it does. And it ends up with Tom's piano being, his like keyboard being broken. And that's it. That's why Tom's mad at Jerry and chases this unknown bounce to the ends of the New York. Which, like, I, I get it. Like, I, I know, I obviously, I, I forgot about it, like, a few minutes later, so it wasn't really that great a setup. But, like, okay, like, as a premise, fine. Like, that's a good enough reason, I suppose. 
But it means that, like, there's less of a dynamic between the two of them. Like, they were kind of an old married couple in the cartoon where it's like they've been doing this for years and they'll be keep doing it forever. Like, it's a long-standing rivalry. In this one, like, they don't know each other. They don't care about each other, really, except that, like, Tom is, is now pissed at Jerry and, like, wants revenge. And Jerry just kind of wants to keep stealing stuff, which, whatever, it's a mouse thing, I guess. Um, but they, but they don't have, they don't have, you know, a, a character dynamic. You're not, you're not really invested in, in Tom finally catching Jerry. It's not like you kind of rooted for Tom in those old cartoons. Cause you're like, yeah, Jerry, you know, Jerry's causing trouble for his household. And like, got, cat's got a cat. Like you obviously still wanted Jerry to win because Tom was going to, was going to suffer and that was going to be funny. Um, but you, you still you still sympathize with Tom. In this one, you want to just say like, "Dude, quit while you're ahead." Like you don't have you don't have to be tied to this guy. You can just leave. Yeah, like it doesn't. Parts of it don't make sense. And then also, like the other thing is, you were saying like you wanted Jerry to win in the end. Jerry is such an unlikable character. He's up there with Michael oh. Pena's character in terms of like nothing good comes from it. Like the only good thing he does is return the. Uh, the ring of the wife of the fiance, which yeah, he, he stole. He stole it. He gave it back. So like, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Jer- right. Jerry doesn't come across as like a lovable rogue, which he kind of more so does. Um, he, he does that more in the in the uh, in the cartoon. He come. He you kind of like him, even though he's kind of a heel. Um, and this one, he just kind of seems like a jerk. Like he's just. He's just stealing stuff for funsies and just doesn't really care what the consequences are until like the end. And I don't, I don't know. Like you don't have to give your cast like of cartoons that much character, but like at least make us care about why they're fighting each other. They, and it's really a spot where the movie loses. Is I don't feel set up to care about any of these characters. I I don't care about any of them. I'm already forgetting it. It's 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 not good. It's it is not not a good movie. Did we miss any points floating? To no, I think I think we, we talked this to death. Any any clo- any closing thoughts on the movie, Katie? I did dissociate around the hour mark. I just it's zoned out long. hardcore. It's it's, it's there's so, it feels so boring at times. Like I think it really is. It's it's not that. I, how long is it? It's like what? Like hour fifty? Hour and a half. Hour forty. Yeah, it's yeah, I guess it's between ninety and a hundred minutes. Yeah, it feels like it lasts forever. Oh my god! Because most of the time you're stuck with this boring hotel plot, which is not funny, not charming. You don't care about the characters really, except for a little bit Chloe Grace Moretz. But when she's not, she has nothing to work off of, so you don't even really care about her. Like it's yeah, it's it's a slog. I I if you think you want to see it. You should probably just rewatch old Tom and Jerry cartoons. I mean, unless you really want this hotel plot, if you're really interested to see what happens with Colin Jones and his fiance, uh, they get back together at the end. They have a fight at the wedding, but then they have a second wedding where they fall in love and things are good. So, how many know. cheese wheels out of ten do you give Tom and Jerry the movie? You, this doesn't even deserve one cheese wheel. This is like this is just the scent path. You get the the little scent trail, which I'm just a sucker for in all cartoons. I I like that, that they fun. had the cheese scent trail. Scent trail is great. 
in in the middle of an interrogation scene, suddenly the movie had not been doing this for over an hour at this point. They just start putting words on the screen. <laughs> yeah, there's an interrogation scene with Michael Pena that like someone was trying for some kind of homage. It does not go over well. It doesn't. I don't. I. It just feels like it lasts forever. There's no reason to have an interrogation scene. It just so much of this movie is padding. It just it feels like they didn't know how to stretch Tom and Jerry cartoon into an hour and a half and maybe that's because you shouldn't maybe that's because the ideal length for a tom and jerry cartoon is like seven minutes and if you stretch it out much more than that it's exhausting so hey yeah it's i i give it one cent trail out of 10 cheese wheels <laughs> not it's not much but what about you katie uh i give it the rind of a bay bell cheese or baby bell cheese so, so it's a hunk wheels. of wax. You give it a hunk of wax out of wax 10. Wax out of 10. <laughs> wax out of 10. <laughs> Wonderful. All right. Well, you know, kind of kind of a negative, negative conversation this week. But hopefully next week we'll have something more cheery to topic, talk about. We don't know what that will be because we don't plan well in advance. But I'm sure it'll be something happier because we need to get this gross taste out of our mouth. Don't pull back the curtain on our laziness. <laughs> I think I think our laziness is already thoroughly on display. <laughs> oh no! At least mine is. Kate, Katie actually works hard for the show. Yeah. All right. Well, that that's all for today. We're gonna pop back in the time machine and see where it spits us out next week. Oh, uh, so, or uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> anyway, I am Scarlet. I'm Katie. We're your animates, and we will see you next time. <laughs>